Okay, fantastic. Welcome everybody to another episode of Just Two Dads. I am Brian Altunian. I am a co-host with my my dear friend, Sean Francis. And um, I think I say this every week. I'm, like, I'm so excited about today's episode. And I really am excited about today's episode. Um, uh, our, our special guest today is uh, it's going to be a, f- a phenomenal story. We'll introduce her in just a second. But uh, just wanted to, uh, to welcome everybody who's watching us live on Facebook Live, um, listening to us on podcasts, uh, whether it's Spotify or Apple or, or Google, or maybe you're catching this at a later time on our YouTube channel or um, even on WSTX Radio down in the Virgin Islands. We're glad to have you here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for um, participating in this conversation. Uh, Sean and I are both just two dads, dads of, of uh, children who have been diagnosed with some, some special need. Um, we talk all the time about the fact that we all have some element of special needs, but for us as, as, as dads, uh, we feel that we um, represent a, a part of this family, the community that doesn't have a voice uh, generally, and so we have been having ongoing conversations for several years, the two of us, and we decided to do this and share this with um, with our community, and more importantly, to highlight those warriors, those people who are out there. We we consider them to be part of our village, our expanding village of people who are servicing um, individuals and families in the special needs community. And um, today is good, is another one of those. We're so so pleased, uh, and as it turns out, our village has is expanding because our village is recommending other people in the village to come and be a part of our show. So, so we want a big shout out to uh, Susanna Lavelle for, uh, for being a guest on our show a couple of times, really a partner in some of the content that we're developing and introducing us to, to our guest today, Jessica Pate. But we're going to get there in a second. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. So I'll stop talking. I want to say hello to Sean Francis, my, my, my partner in Thrive over here. How are you doing today, Sean? I am doing... Um... Fantastic. Um, thankful, blessed, and um, very interesting dynamic as I was sharing with uh, both you and Jessica uh, backstage that uh, I had my um, our first IEP individualized uh, education plan for our son, Elijah. This is the first one that's been done virtually, and it's also the first one uh, that's been done since he's become a student in high school. And uh, it's a very interesting dynamic doing that just before jumping into doing this but it just reminds me again how thankful i am to have this platform for us to um, be able to do this to connect with um people um you know back in the virgin islands where i'm from people all around the world and um let's go ahead and uh, get right into it and welcome miss jessica Pate. hi hi brian hi sean i'm so happy to be here with you both this is fantastic it's the highlight of my week Thank you for having me today. <laughs> great. We feel the same That's way. Great. I hope it's the highlight. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you feel the same way when we're done here. Because <laughs> oh, I'm sure you know, Sean and I are. I joke about it all the time. We're 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 just you know we're we're just uh, again. I think we're still trying to figure this. Truly really trying to figure this whole thing out. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that the one thing that ties us all together is that uh, is our humanity and the things that we do with and for one another and so we're thrilled to have you here and uh, so excited to be talking about 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 you and 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 the project that you're working on and and more importantly have share your story about your your family and how you got to be a member of this special needs community so should we start there why don't we start there and give people an idea of, of how you got to join this club that none of us have willingly like volunteered to join 
Yes, right, that we are all, yes, yes. all yes. dragged let's in. Do, let's do that and, and tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what you were leading up to that, just because I always think that who we are at the time that we get our mm -hmm. um, initiation into the club has right. a lot to do with how we receive it. So tell us a little bit about that and lead into um, you know, how you turn that into a cause and everything. Well, I was married to my husband, Chris, and we had already had one child, Luke, who was two and a half at the time that my second son was born. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom and I had easy pregnancy and easy delivery. And then it all changed. Mm. Not what I expected, not what any of us thought. And, uh, and even the first day, I didn't quite know what we were into and nobody was really saying anything. Um, my son Ryan was having some breathing issues. There were a few other things that day, but I didn't really know how seriously he was impacted uh, until the next day when they started running all kinds of tests and scans and um, told me that uh, I would be discharged and he would be staying on the peds ward. And that's uh, what was apparent at first was he was very sleepy and he didn't cry for food. In fact, when he was born and just came out naturally, normally, he barely cried. And I remember that stuck with me. I thought, oh, well, maybe I got an easy, quieter newborn. Luke got kicked out of the nursery at the hospital when I had him. So I thought, well, maybe I just had a mill or a baby. And, but that, that stood out to me. Anyway, we spent a month in the hospital. We had an OT working with us who specialized in feeding because Ryan could not suck. He did not cry for food. They called it failure to thrive. They call it that when they don't, when babies don't cry and mm -hmm. wake up to eat, when they are not demanding milk or food. Um, he didn't cry when he was wet. In fact, Ryan didn't cry his whole first year of life. Wow. So wow. he was born with low muscle tone, hypotonia. And with that, so many things are affected throughout the body. And there's a thousand things that go into feeding that we take for granted when babies just latch on and suck or take a bottle easily. Mm. So we went home after about a month without any answers, still some tests out there. And he had a feeding tube. And we just were waiting. We were in that waiting period, but happy to go home. My son, Luke, was probably wondering where his mom was while I was in the hospital that month. And I tried to see him as much as I could, but I pretty much slept at the hospital for a month. And uh, when Ryan was five weeks old, our pediatrician, who we love, called us and told us that he tested positive for a rare genetic disorder called Prader-Willi syndrome. Looks like Prater, we call it Prader. And my husband actually was the one who said, will you test Ryan for PWS? And three doctors said, he doesn't look like it. And my husband said, well, we don't have any answers. Let's do it anyway. It's a blood test, nicely, of course. And so really I credit Chris for finding the diagnosis and, and pushing for testing. And I'll never forget that night. I ran into my bedroom where Ryan was asleep 
in little red pajamas and I scooped him up and I said, we will always take care of you. We will always take care of you. We will always take care of you. And I was in shock and sad and, you know, just no mother, no parent, no father wants their child to be born with any struggles or any health issues or any special needs. And uh, when you read about it, it's very scary and depressing. <laughs> it, it encompasses so many things. And what makes the news is that in childhood, there is an insatiable food drive that kicks in and it is life-threatening. So kids and adults with this syndrome need to be watched 24 seven. And reading that online, you just can't even, you can't even understand that. My baby won't cry for food and then eventually he could be stealing food out of trash cans. It's so we. Yeah, it's so weird. Like it doesn't like it logically doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. That's right. that's amazing. Amazing. And when does it happen? Like when does the the transition occur? Like how long does it vary per child? Uh, it varies. Um Prader-Willi syndrome is a spectrum disorder. So the different features that are common to all look different in different kids and adults and the the insatiable food drive hits in childhood. For some, it's when they're toddlers, preschoolers. Uh, for Ryan, we say it was a slow burn. And so it was a slow increase over time. We did not have to lock our kitchen until he was 13. Mm. But a lot of families have to lock their kitchens way before 13. Wow, wow, wow. So, and, 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 and is, is, so prior to that, as as a mm -hmm. as a as an infant, dude, when he started, because you said he wasn't really hungry, he wasn't eating. At what point did did that change? And is it immediately solid foods? Is it formula? Like how what how does that how does that occur? The transition. So we right away were uh, set up with an outpatient occupational therapist that specialized in feeding. We received that through our state agency, uh, the regional center here in California. We immediately got plugged in and Ryan became a client. So an OT and a PT, physical therapist, started coming to our house. The OT specialized in feeding, so she just worked on Ryan's mouth, lips, cheeks, everything, and taught me exercises to do with him. And he had a feeding tube. So we would work on feeding by bottle, and then we supplemented whatever we needed to, which was a lot in the beginning, really a lot. Most, sure. most of his milk came from the feeding tube and it took him almost a year to get off the feeding tube and be able to take a bottle on his own. We started solids probably still at six months trying, mm -hmm. but it took a year before he could take a bottle on his own and be strong enough and get what he needs. Jessica, is it, it it sounds like it could or could not be because it begins with um, something in your internal. Is it considered an eating disorder, or is it, or, or is it not? Because it seems like it it could go either way. Different people say different things. I don't personally. I don't call it an eating disorder, even though mm -hmm. it's compulsive for sure. And left to themselves, they would compulsively overeat. 
mm. to a dangerous place. Right. Um, it is not something that kids or adults will ever be able to regulate, no matter how good a job Chris and I do trying to teach, they cannot help themselves. It is, it is a compulsion. It, it is an obsession. And we have always provided food security is a term that we use in the PWS world. We've right. always stuck to a schedule. We've never said, oh, Ryan, you know, we're going to be in the car after your doctor appointment. So we'll just have to skip snack today. Never in his life. And he's 17 mm, right. and a half. Mm. Never missed mm. a meal. Always plan ahead. And we usually don't give outside of that schedule because it actually increases his anxiety because it gives him hope that he will have access to more food. So we stick to the schedule. Mm. And one thing that is a double whammy in Prader-Willi syndrome is that they are hungry all the time and they have to be on a restricted diet because mm. they gain weight so easily. So metabolism is, is, is traditionally very slow then? It's slower and they have less muscle tone. And so muscle, you know, burns calories. And so a lot of kids and adults are on a very low calorie diet to prevent obesity from happening. Ryan is very skinny and tall. He's six feet tall now. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't count calories, but we're careful. Mm -hmm. You know? Wow. So um, what, do you, what do you attribute his is just genetics what do you attribute because that's my first question is you know mm -hmm. is he is he is he now dealing with issues with regard to weight and things of that sort but it sounds like he's not you said he's tall and skinny what do you to what do you that's attribute not. that and don't be afraid right. to take credit if it's because of the work that you guys have put in i don't i don't know i say i can't take credit i mean i'm careful we don't give seconds i i'm very i stick to i stick to things we stick to things we don't reward with food um, we don't say, I'll give you this if you stop your meltdown. You know, we've never done that. You just, you cannot do that. Um, that's tough. Yes. That's yes. Because very, you know, in the AIDS world, you reward with gum, candy, a treat, right? Right. And even and if it's healthy, even if it's a healthy, even if it's healthy, whatever. even if, yes. Yeah. But in your case, the, the, the mentality that it's ado that's adopted or absorbed, um, with reward, a, f a reward of food for good behavior is dangerous and can be lethal, even if it's again, like you said, even if it's healthy. So that's so so there. Give yourself credit because that is not mm. easy. I already know that's Thank not you. easy. So take Thank take you. the credit. Take the credit. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, food is like air to a child or adult with Prader-Willi syndrome. So if you put it out as a reward, mm -hmm. their anxiety goes way up because they desperately want that reward and they have to work for it. So it's, it's, and then it becomes law in their mind that their reinforcer should always be food, gum, candy, something. Right, so right. we just have never done that. Um, so going back to the beginning, because he was born with hypotonia, all the milestones are delayed. He didn't walk till he was three, which is actually kind of late for Prader-Willi syndrome, but it is a spectrum. Um, he, I, yes, yeah, so we had speech therapy started at age one. He still gets speech therapy a little bit and still gets a little bit of OT, not really during distance learning. And we stopped PT probably by eighth grade. We stretched it out as long as we could. Mm -hmm. And 
it's all about milestones in the early years and then the food drive hits and then there are behaviors and a lot of anxiety would you what caused you guys to stop the physical therapy at uh, uh did you say uh, eighth grade well we stopped it through the school district we haven't done it privately in quite some time because mm -hmm. he's you know he's he's fully safe you know at school it really doesn't call for any more physical therapy at school he's walking he's running he's very active he 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 really doesn't i mean he would benefit of course if we were to do it privately but it's not right. really necessary yeah, for him necessary. to navigate his school day mm, okay i see that take credit for that too because again you're deciding it's yeah. not necessary for him to navigate his school day if it was you would take the inconvenience or whatever comes with it in order to do that. So that's the one thing that applies to any special needs parent at all is you're always thinking about, okay, what's in their best interest? What's easiest for me? But, but you know, not, not what's easiest for me, what's, what, what's best for them, regardless of whether or not it's easy, it's easy for me. And that's not always an easy thing to go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, and I want to add to that too. We have other kids. And so, and, and because you have a child with special needs, there's so much time and attention, obviously, that gets placed on them that is very overt, very obvious. And mm -hmm. even when you try to be intentional, and we splinter up as a family a lot so that we can meet the needs of our other kids. Luke is 20, Kate is 15. And I, I just wasn't willing to sacrifice everything and do all these private therapies for Ryan and run him around town and never have time with my other kids. Mm -hmm. We did a, uh, an entire episode on that, and the, uh, you know, which is a whole other subject. And we could do another show on it again, which is how do you love your kids equally but different? And because that 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 is that is a challenge. We have neurotypical kids as well. Yes, yes. So, yeah. I mean, there were we went through seasons of some private therapies in the early years, but it wasn't something that we felt we absolutely had to do that would make the hugest difference in his life. Yes, he'll always benefit from additional therapies, but is it going to help him get his high school diploma? No. Is it going to help right. him be independent? No. Right. You just right. have to weigh, you know, what's best for your family and also what's best for your own mental health as a parent. If you're running yourself ragged between your neurotypical kids and your child with special needs, and you don't have any margin for taking care of yourself, taking care of your marriage, taking care of your friendships, because you've overscheduled every single kid, that's not, that's not gonna serve you in the long run. Right. And so we right. have to really be careful about that. Those were all the questions I was, for sure, those were all the questions I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna ask you, like, how do your, you know, how do your other two children deal with it? But it also sounds like early on, it was almost like it's 24 seven care. And how do you and your husband, Chris, like, how did you guys juggle that and, and, and stay sane? And, um, and, and I'm just being, you know, honest, my first marriage didn't survive, uh, mm -hmm. uh, for a whole bunch of reasons, but the stress of, you know, having a special needs child obviously has an impact on the relationship. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, how did you guys, how did that work out for, for you, for you, for the two of you, and actually for, for the, your children as well. Thank you. Chris and I have now been married almost 24 years. It'll be 24 years in April, which I can't believe that because I still feel like I'm 25. So how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah. But me too. He, he, <laughs> he was very involved from the beginning. He never said, you're a stay-at-home mom. I work. You take care of Ryan. I'll go to work. And he's an attorney, has a very demanding job, but he made it to every IEP, made it to every specialist visit the first year, and there was a ton. And he never made me feel like I was on my own to handle Ryan and Prader-Willi syndrome. So I am so grateful that he has always been completely a partner with me in managing everything that comes our way as a family. So lots of credit to, to Chris. Does, he, does Chris work for himself? Does he, does he have a business or does he have a job? He works for a law firm in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, mm -hmm. Certainly right now he's working at home, which is yeah. nice. He doesn't have to do the commute. That's good, good, mm -hmm. good, good. Mm -hmm. no, that's great. That's great. And we don't and, have to mention the, the firm's name, but I just think there's something to be recognized for. Mm -hmm. Usually there's only two instances where that happens and someone has the autonomy to do that. Let's say three. The one we're in now, which is unprecedented which most people have adjusted to most, most jobs or companies. The other is if you're working for yourself mm -hmm. and, and the third, which is the rarest is that in any situation you have an employer who's simply flexible with you and allows you to do those things. And mm -hmm. so um, that, 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 that's fantastic to know that that has occurred. Amazing. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say too, when it was necessary or we felt like we needed just to check in, we went to couples therapy because we were dealing with so much high stress and we went through a series of hits for many years and you just think it's never gonna sure. end. So we were living in survival mode for, it felt like almost 10 years. We both lost our mothers to lung cancer. I'm sorry. Uh, my mom in 2004 and then less than six months later, his mom was diagnosed with lung cancer and we lost her in 2008. And there just was a lot of crisis and loss that we dealt with in a very short amount of time. And we we were glued together. We were glued together. Now, I'm not saying put our marriage on a pedestal. We disagree, we fight, we have our issues. <laughs> I have my own issues. Um, we all we're do. always yeah. learning to communicate better with our kids and with each other still. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, right. we've, we've worked at it and we've, you know, it's hard for us to get away for a trip that's kind of not really doable, but we'll take 24 hours a couple times a year, even if it's a hotel 10 minutes away, and we'll yeah. get that time together. And we've always together. made social time with other couples uh, a priority and, and dates a priority. You gotta have that, you gotta have that. Um, let me ask you this, how, do you, how did you deal with the, because how much of this one has depends on the person. Um, but it is inherent as a special needs parent at some point. So I'm wondering how you dealt with it individually as well as together. And, and that is the idea of any kind of blame. In other words, when you ask why, why me or what did mm -hmm. I do? What's part of my history that causes this to take place? How did you guys work through that individually or together? Because I know that that's part of the reason why in some cases, mm -hmm marriage may not survive, or even just a right. single parent altogether. There's just so much, mm -hmm. where, where did I go wrong? Because we're willing right. to take responsibility for any and everything with our children's success. So it's very natural to do that. How did that play out for you? To be honest, uh, we, in the beginning, we didn't ask why and why me. Good. Um, I think we have a strong faith and I, 
I understand that we live in a, a world where everything doesn't go as you want. And mm -hmm. even if you're good people, A plus B doesn't always equal C. So I didn't ask that in the beginning. I think I was uh, definitely grieving and uh, in shock, but then wanting to learn everything, do everything I could for Ryan. And I uh, didn't really, I really didn't stop to fall into despair. I knew I had choices. I knew I had right. choices where I could get stuck in that or I could just try to accept it at the place that we were. Um, I think that's not one and done. Grieving is not one and done. Uh, and it was definitely years later that I got angry, that I got, I asked the questions. Mm. And, and so I did my own therapy because I needed some place to go to mm -hmm. because I was angry how it affected our whole life it affected the other kids. Uh, I, I just was grieving. And, it, and again, I should say, because what I like to say or what I say is that grief in special needs motherhood is, is not linear, but it's cyclical. It comes and it goes and it comes and it goes. And I think when the wave is what I would call it would come, then I would make sure I was talking about it and talk with Chris, talk with a therapist, talk with a best friend, whoever, a mentor, right. to talk through that pain. I was, I was, I was, uh, first of all, I'm just, so far, I'm, I'm gonna take some credit. Neither Sean or I have burst into tears, although a couple of times I think you have been pretty close, but um, uh, for what, what you've been through. Um, did you have a support group uh, that you were, I know you had girlfriends, you said, or friends that you would talk mm -hmm. to, but was there a support group for you at the time? Is there a Prada Willie's uh, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, group of, of parents? Yes, I wanna go back to the beginning too, because as soon as Ryan was diagnosed, we contacted the national organization, Prada Willie Syndrome Association in Florida, and they connected us with the Prada Willie California Foundation. So thankfully in our state, we had this foundation with resources and support groups. And literally within a few days of Ryan's diagnosis, we got a phone call because Chris had already made the call to the national organization. We got a call from Lisa Graziano, who was the executive director there and was for 15 years. And she said, hi, I'm Lisa and I'm gonna be your mentor mom. Oh, wow. <laughs> I call it the Gosh. Lisa phone call. Uh, it gets me choked up, <laughs> 17. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. 17 and a half years later and oh. she said you're not alone that's, that's all. and then There's i found out lived 15 minutes away so i wow. had somebody in my community who i could go to her son was four or five years older than ryan so she was ahead of me on the journey and she knew so much and i had somebody i could go to wow when you when you when you spoke of, of grief i love that um, I know that there's a, sorry, I know that there's a, um, I know that there's a grief that comes with diagnosis, period. And so what we, what, what we do is we tend to, we're grieving the loss of the child that doesn't exist. Yes. Which is the child that we wanted our child to be, that mm -hmm. we hoped, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what it typically is. But I know that one of 
the things that the planet lacks is being childlike as opposed to childish, which means trying to step into other people's shoes. So in that sense, rather than assume that that's the grief that you're talking about, I want to try and get into your shoes by asking, is that is that the type of grief that you're referring to? I think it was, uh, so I, I call myself a recovering perfectionist. And um, because of my own family background, I think I went into marriage and motherhood with really high, I know I did, high ideals. I had big dreams for what I was gonna create with Chris, which was not gonna be my growing up experience. I'm not saying it was terrible, but it, you know, I was gonna be different than my parents were gonna be, my parents were. And so then, when your child is diagnosed with a very serious disability, lifelong, he will need to be watched 24 seven for his entire mm -hmm. life. Right. I grieved what his life was going to be, what I thought it was going to be. Of course, I grieved what his struggles were and would be. Um, I grieved, uh, what it was gonna to do to family life, mm -hmm. how it was gonna affect Luke. And then we went on to have Kate and and certainly that grief for that, that specific grief about how it affects the family hits again and again. Mm -hmm. So, and I think I was just, I was just sad that it wasn't going to be this nice little perfect family that I was trying to create, but but I say that, or I should say, and, and yet the gifts of special needs parenting or the experience is that we get to shift in perspective and priorities and purpose. Let me ask you this. You, you mentioned, and how much of it, if any of it, you care to divulge your share is completely up to you. Mm -hmm. But your, your, your experience, with regard to your, your your parents, and I don't know if you meant the way if you were referring to their marriage or just their parenting or both, but your experience with that, as appreciative as you were, mm -hmm. is obviously something that you wanted to improve upon as a parent. Mm -hmm. How do you think, if at all, that has affected you in a positive sense with mm -hmm. regard to who you are now as not only the parent that you are now versus your son's diagnosis, but the parent and person that you are now with regard to um, uh, your stewardship of the soul, if I will, as mm -hmm. in terms of creating your organization and everything. How, how, do those, how do those play a role? Huh, okay, which part do I answer first? Um, <laughs> Up to you. It was a multi, think, <laughs> like two questions. That's, that's like yeah. for seven questions in one, Sean. <laughs> um, Trust me, that's that's the low version. I usually, I usually have more than more than that going on at the same time. Sorry. So I may not I may not remember. Sorry. <laughs> I may not remember. Okay. I'll do my best. Um, I think I just wanted to be uh, more involved with my children, and intentional with my children than maybe I. I saw in my own parents. My parents um, divorced when I was very young. And so I didn't grow up with a dad in the house, even though my dad did his best to see us. Um, we weren't across the country or anything like that from each other. We did see him every other weekend 
until some point in our teen years where we really wanted to be with our friends. Um, so my dad made the effort, but um, he's, he is, he just wasn't really involved and uh, didn't really know me deeply. And I, I wanted to know my children deeply and um, how it's affected my parenting. I would say, I would love to say it's all good. I would love to say I'm so amazing because of this. Um, I, I, I definitely think I'm a better human being because of Ryan. Uh, I think our whole family is more sensitive to others in crisis. I think it's grown our compassion. But one thing I find myself always apologizing for is I'm tense at home. I'm way more fun, I feel like, outside the home or, or I can laugh <laughs> or I'm, I'm witty with my girlfriends. But I walk in the house and I, I still carry attention because with Ryan's anxiety, you just never know. You never know. You never know. And yeah. so I'm not as fun. I'm not the fun mom that I thought I would be. I there are things I don't do as a mom that I thought I would that I don't. I just don't have the energy for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's times when we're we're out and about, and it's like anybody else. When you come home, I'm a real homebody. I just love to come home. Generally speaking, but there's times where. You know, sometimes it might be because there's a meltdown. It might be just because of something. I, I happen to just, you know, coming home is like, oh, as you come in the door, you're relieved, mm -hmm. depending on what that's like. So that much I can relate to. So this is the perfect point to sort of then transition into telling us about wait, wait, your organization. I want, wait, I want to ask one. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, wait, go ahead, I want go to ask ahead, One question about Chris, because I, I definitely want to talk about We Are Brave Together for sure, but but just okay. one question about, about Chris, because this is, you know, it was just, you know, as just two dads, you know, theme for us. Um, I'm fascinated by this and jealous. And uh, honestly, I think uh, he's, it's it's amazing. And I think that as you were describing the emotions and the feelings that you were going through as as a as a mom, I think special needs dads, we, we probably go through some of that stuff and then are angry and then feel guilty about feeling a certain way and, you know, the blame fest, generally the fingers point in most of the time. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it, can you, and, and he's not, he's not here and then asking obviously just in through, you know, your experience, but, but I'm sure that he um, went through a range of emotions as well. And mm -hmm. did he have a, did he have a support group? Did he have a place to go to have a conversation? Cause it's vulnerability for men is hard to show and something that we don't often do. So just curious to just talk about that. And there aren't enough support for dads, which we'll talk about We Are Brave in a little while because we are launching, we, we launched that uh, a dad support group. But we uh, we jumped into the support group through the prader Willie California Foundation. We met couples that we really connected with. And so we would do dinners out without the kids. Uh, most of our get-togethers through the years have not been with the kids because of the food piece. And, but we, we made these really nice friendships with other parents. So as couples, uh, we would spend time together and, and, and Chris would gain that support. Uh, once in a while, the dads might get together, but, but the, the moms would always get together a couple times a year and have dinner and share swap stories. But Chris definitely has gone through his own 
grieving um, for sure. And uh, he has good guys in his life and, and he just is so, he's steady. He's just steady, stable, and just has really good perspective. And so I don't, there was no ego that got in the way, pride that got in the way. You know, how could this happen with my son? I'm sure there is grief about what he wasn't going to experience with Ryan as a dad and grief about what the kids would and wouldn't experience with Ryan as their brother, for sure. I mean, even still to this day, we, we grieve how it affects our kids. Have the, any of the kids ever been vocal in their disappointment or um, in terms of attention that they miss out on? Uh, they, at different times, at different mm -hmm. times, I, for so many years, I was worried that they were going to grow up so resentful mm -hmm. and angry Right. and they didn't so far. They didn't, Good. but, but yes, they've shared that it's stressful living in our house. There's mm -hmm. definitely been trauma, uh, for them growing up in our story and they love Ryan so much. They are fierce cheerleaders. And I've given them permission to say whatever they want to say. I can say, kind of sucks that some days. Kind of sucks that we don't do family trips all together anymore, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Like, I just yeah. put it out there. And just so that they know they can say whatever they want to say. Do they always right. say it? No. Do they keep it inside? Yes. Right. But I'm sure more will come out as they grow into adulthood. All right. We've never heard it at home, but we always try to keep that door open to everybody's always like, no, we, no, we get it. We, we understand. We're like, well, you have to understand that you're not loved any less. It's, it's different because of the attention that's needed, but you know, um, and that's a battle that will, um, that never changes, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so, so tell us about we are brave, how it came to be, because for mm -hmm. any of us that, that, that take this and, make it into, um, you know, a, a cause, you know, for a lot of us right now, especially those of us that work a nine to five and everything, we, we, we did a show on business, special needs and business, taking your tools and your gift and your challenge and turning that into um, a mission, a drive or a business where you're impacting other people. And it allows you to, um, to live a life that you can build. Tell us about how that got started and then lead into uh, what it is, what you do and how, okay. and, 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 be sure to please share Chris's involvement with that too, how that works. Sure. So I have always sought out community and growing up, my girlfriends were my life. They're still my life. They're my family. I've had such deep, wonderful friendships and we created community within the prader willey syndrome world. We created community within our school district when Ryan entered in and was in special needs classes and receiving therapies and services. We met families that have helped us navigate this road. And Chris and I are both social bugs, social people just by nature. And I also had the benefit of some mentoring along the way. Um, and so I wanted that for other moms. I know how isolating this journey is. I know it's exhausting. <laughs> 
and it's beautiful yeah. and it's hard yeah. and I'm grateful and it's hard. And I have always been very honest. Uh, I started blogging in 2012 and just sharing openly and honestly, just mm -hmm. everything. And, and I received a lot of feedback, positive feedback. Thank you for saying how I feel. Thank you for shedding light on what our life is like that people don't know about or don't understand. And so I think doing that gave me a voice, made me feel like I had a voice. And I wanted other moms to benefit from connection and community and not feel alone. So I like to say that We Are Brave was born out of a collision in my heart of my passion for the friendship of women and community and my heart for special needs families knowing what they go through. And so I just had this big dream and thought of the name with uh, one of my best friends. We thought of it together. And we had been doing a little background. We had been doing these fluffy girlfriends retreats that we started doing in 2012, my best friend Kimberly and I. And it was fine. We traveled different parts and organized these intimate retreats with our friends and friends of friends. And then we thought, well, where could we really meet a need? Well, who needs a break more than special needs moms, right? Uh, and all the frontline workers at this point, can we say? But um, so we yeah. said, let's do something for special needs moms or moms caring for children with any and all diagnoses. And so I went on with the support of my amazing husband and his funding to launch We Are Brave Together in July of 2017. And that year I had gathered about 125 names on a list of moms who are interested. And we launched, we didn't have a website. We had a logo, I had a business card, and we didn't have our nonprofit status, but we launched. I just had to do something. And so we launched, we launched offering retreats and support groups. And mm -hmm. uh, we launched with a big summer party and we probably had 60 moms show up to my house and we crammed in the backyard and we shared the vision and the heart of We Are Brave Together. And people just started pouring in and then we finally got our website going. We got our nonprofit status. Chris kept us going until we had our nonprofit status and we could fundraise. And so I credit him and I credit Ryan. There would be no We Are Brave Together if there were no Ryan and there weren't right. all the experiences that we had along the way. So fast forward, now we have 1130 plus moms nationwide, actually worldwide, because we do have some moms from outside the United States that are also a part of We Are Brave Together. And Excellent. we offer support groups, workshops, and retreats. It's all virtual right now. Thank you, pandemic. But we're, we pivoted <laughs> like everybody else. Yeah. And then we also <laughs> we're able to launch a podcast in the middle of this last year. And so it's called Brave Together. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify. And again, it's just to further our mission to inspire, empower, educate moms, help them feel like they're not alone, provide community. So it's been so a journey. Wow. Been when amazing. did you when did it launch? When when did um when did you actually start it? We started July 2017. So it's been three and a half years. 
Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank and you. the kinds of activities I, I think I saw you guys do it doing a, you were doing a, a run together I think did I see that oh. on, on, on social media somewhere or yes we we did for a fundraiser we did a yeah, virtual right. race so whoever was uh, local could join in or you would do it wherever you are Susanna Laval was a participant and she did her 10k where she is uh, and we had other people in other parts of California or parts of the country that signed up to be a member of the virtual race team and they would fundraise. And it was a huge success. Wow. So we had people walking half marathons. We had people walking and running 5Ks and 10Ks. And it was a great experience. And we, we our goal was 10,000 and we raised over 13,000 for We wow, Are Race So it was a really fantastic. wonderful fundraiser. I think we'll do it again this year. Wow. That's great. That's so prior to the pandemic, how many events would you say that you guys probably did per year? Um, well, we were doing support groups every other month in the area where I live in the South Bay area. And then we would do pop up support groups in other cities when moms requested it. So in Los Angeles, uh, several in Orange County, San Diego. And so um, we would do six to 10 support groups a year in person. Mm -hmm. And we were building on that and uh, before the pandemic. And then we, we actually started launching satellite support groups as well. So we launched our very first one, San Diego, uh, right before everything shut down. And since then, we've launched a bunch more. So we have a support group in Arizona, Utah. We've... Uh, Los Angeles, we have Florida, and we have, I'm blanking, um, Tennessee. And then we just launched Kansas this month. Wow. So, and I hope I didn't forget Amazing. anybody, Utah. So we have several satellite support groups and we have more on the horizon as well. And it just requires a mom who wants to be a facilitator and and it's all over Zoom right well, now, but when when restrictions say, lift nationwide, then it will be Zoom and in person. Hopefully after today's show, you'll have um, considerably um, considerable growth uh, in terms of um, those that join and attend. And let me ask you this, when you, when, when you guys do your events, are they primarily social or do you have, um, any uh, therapists or anything like that that are um, that offer their time and services um, for your your gatherings or any kind of event? Yes, absolutely. We will have therapists and life coaches uh, speak at support groups or workshops. Uh, we do an annual preventing compassion fatigue workshop every February, and we'll do our fourth uh, next month. And we'll have we have a couple life coaches speaking. Um, Yes, we have we have a whole list of uh, wonderful resources and speakers that we bring to our events. Now, is, that, is that what it sounds like? Compassion fatigue, just getting worn out, caring about other people and neglecting care of yourself in the process? It's an actual term uh, there. I'm blanking on his name out of Tulane University came up with this term, compassion fatigue syndrome. Yeah. And it's you know a nice way of saying caregiver burnout. It's ascribed to uh, caregivers. They don't necessarily say special needs parents, but 
Yes. We know. It's us. We know. We know. <laughs> yeah. um, nurses, therapists, those who work with animals. So um, they probably also put in spouses who are caregivers as well. Right. And it's a real thing. If you don't take care of yourself, you are going to burn out. So we talk about self-care a lot. And I know people roll their eyes at that word. Our podcast episodes this month are about that, different twists on it. So I hope people uh, are inspired to take care of themselves, take care of their souls, take care of their hearts, take care of their bodies. Well, it's, and, interesting. Um, it's interesting because that uh, this is just another example of how strange human beings are. We're, we're at the top of the food chain, but we're the strangest beings on the planet because that shouldn't seem weird. If we're both, you know, drowning and the strength of the ability to swim is something that I don't have and you don't either, how can I help you from a place of weakness? You know, it just... Right. Yeah, it's a, the the self care aspect is something that is uh, is important and it's real and it's also very very um, easy to neglect. It really is. It really is. Uh, this last several months have been very stressful and full of needs in the family, and I could see how you could abandon taking care of yourself because it feel I feel very stretched in my time in a way that I haven't ever experienced more than ever. And I'm still getting up twice a week to run with my running buddies because I have to sweat my stress out. Yeah, but there are days yeah. when I don't, I don't want to get up in the dark and I don't feel like it, but I just make myself cause I know I feel better afterwards. After. Yeah. 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 Very much the same way with my morning workouts. And yeah, when you do that, there, there, there was one day I went and, you know, and I, you know, you go out for the walk and I'm like, you know, I didn't expect the wind to hit that hard this morning. It's actually kind of cold. And I literally at the fence between turning around and walking back into the house and getting on a stationary bike or keeping the promise I made to myself and going. So that's a tip for anybody listening, which is there is immeasurable value in making and keeping promises to ourselves. Sorry, mm -hmm. Brian, you were going to say something. No, I was gonna say I'm 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 glad to hear uh, you know that that you that you're building up a um, a support group for for the men in these conversations because again I I think the thing that Sean and I have seen more than anything is that we feel um, I not speaking for you know my entire gender but I think we feel guilty about things like self care when we're trying to take care of other people we feel you know it it's these kinds of ideas and and you know speak to I think in certain cultures speaks to weakness or speaks to you know a lack of machismo or whatever it is right yeah. uh, and the reality is is that nothing makes you you know stronger and and you know and and have a, a better foundation than making sure that that foundation is 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 taken care of i mean you can only build a Absolutely. building as high as the depth and strength of the foundation so um i, I love agree that you're doing that i think that that's well a, and i always say i know it sounds audacious but you as the caregivers are the most important people in the family. Mm -hmm. And that's you when, forget that. Yeah. Well, you forget I think, that. I, I think I, I ended up sharing on social media because I had heard at some place, you know, you know, a special needs parent, especially when we were talking about when the pandemic hit and we were referring to essential workers and you were referring to people in, in supermarkets and doctors and nurses and people at hospitals and everything are as essential as it gets. But make no mistake about it, a special needs parent especially in the midst of a pandemic, is an essential worker. 
I mean, Absolutely. you know, as as as, uh, as much as it could possibly be. And for myself, it's interesting because when you think of the self-care, I don't, I suppose there's always more that I could use, but when it comes to the self-care, I think of my wife's self-care being neglected. And, mm. and more importantly, because I like to think about, I try to get put my energy on what I can control is I try and think of like how much of that do I get in the way of versus contribute to? And that's a work in progress. That's just, mm -hmm. you know, just being the, the truth. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it really is, you know, and um, when we ask ourselves, you know, you know, how do we not feel guilty about caring for ourselves? Um, you know, and, uh, Robert mentioned that, you know, he knows someone that is, you know, if, if someone is depending on, you know, us, how do we not do that? I would say, and Jessica, you, both you and Brian can tell me if you chime in and tell me if you agree with this, which is that if, if the question is asked, how does one not feel guilty for caring for himself? Because you know, some people that even outside the special needs community, they're just such a nurturer. They mm -hmm. want to make sure that, you know, people come over for dinner or even just a family dinner, everybody's eating. They're make, they've made the food. They're making sure that everyone eats and they'll eat last and, you know, everything. I would think, and you guys let me know again if I'm right, if you take the mentality of a person on a plane, you know, you're instructed to put your oxygen mask on mm -hmm. in case of an emergency first, and then put somebody else's on. So if you simply, if, if you're going to respond easier to caring for others, then tie that to the value in caring for yourself. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Brian, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? No, no, you, 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 I'm still, I'm trying to, to, how many there were like four questions in that in that one so it's, yes so I'm what go I ahead say, jessica you from seven first. to four seven to four that's progress i <laughs> <laughs> give you such a hard time sean i love it what i would say about the guilt is that i call it false guilt because guilt is a signpost that you did something wrong mm -hmm. why do we think why have we believed the message that if we do something outside of taking care of the family that brings us joy or a sense of calm, that it's not okay. Who sold us that message? That it's not okay. Who sold us the message that we have to martyr ourselves and burn ourselves out for the sake of our families? I think it, it's just parenting myths. It's parenting myths. And mm -hmm. yeah. if you're taking care of yourself because you need to be sustained for the long haul of caregiving. I mean, Ryan will be our responsibility his whole life. He will never be independent. He may get to live separately. That would be nice if he was in a nice setup where he felt like he was with peers and, and independent. That may not happen. I don't know. So I cannot go down. So I'm going to make it a priority to take care of my marriage, my mental health, my emotional health, my spiritual health, my physical health. Because I, I, I can't afford to go down. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, I, I think that we're gonna, um, and, and we're same similar to what you had had gone through. We're we're putting our website together, and Sean Hall, our our partner oh. and producer, yeah, we're and, and uh, he's he's been instrumental in helping us kick that off. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna align resources. So we had oh, Jim and Kathy got on in one of our early shows, and you know they're they're working on an initiative where um, adults with with special needs, there's a whole facility, a living living work 
uh, work together facility that they're preparing in, in Los Angeles. And so, you know, really? the kind of things that we want to align, yeah, align efforts and get people to understand what other folks are doing in this space because yes. there's so much overlap in what we all need. So absolutely. Yeah, it's be absolutely. We're, we're working on now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's and great. by the way, speaking of Sean Hall, just, you happen to put there in the chat that the, the professor who coined the uh, compassion fatigue is Charles Figley. Oh, yes. Yes. Charles yes. Figley. I knew it was Charles. I could. Yes. Charles Figley. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. May I share if there are moms listening, if they want to join the community, how they do that? Please do. Please do. Okay. Yes. Okay. That was the so next thing I was going to say. Yes. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, you simply just go to our website, wearebravetogether.com, and there will be a little pop-up and you can join the community. Uh, we don't have a, yet a separate Facebook group for dads that eventually might happen um, if needed, if it's if it if the need is there, if if they're requesting it. But we just launched our very first dad support group. We have this wonderful life coach who is leading that. And uh, the first group was yesterday. The next one will be in March. So that will also be on the website. So hopefully, and you guys should be a part of that. We'd love to have you. We'd be honored. That'd be awesome. That would be really be honored. So I'll connect you with, with John, who's who's leading the group for the dads. And what's the best places to find you or follow you other Just, than other than your website? My next question: Instagram <laughs> or how how do people find you? Sure. Yeah. Instagram at We Are Brave Together. Mm -hmm. We have a podcast on iTunes and Spotify called Brave Together. We have an Instagram for that called at Brave Together Pod. So you can see what our episodes are all about and links are there. Great. And we also have a private Facebook group for We Are Brave Together Moms. Good. So good. once you join, if you check the question that you want to be a part of that private, it's actually secret Facebook group, then then we we add you in and it's a great place to share stories of triumph or vent about your day or seek resources or ask questions. Mm -hmm. And something that we say, it's a core value of we are brave together is let us share and not compare. There you There's go. no comparison, we're not comparing pain, we're not comparing diagnoses or how hard your daily life is versus my daily life. Every mother counts, every parent counts, every child counts, it matters. Whatever your story is, whether you feel like it's light or too heavy, it, it matters. And uh, our Facebook group and our events are a place where you can say what you want to say and no one's going to pounce on you. We understand. We get it. All we give is love and support and empowerment. <laughs> There's no judgment. Excellent. Excellent. And then those are the, those places, are, those are the best venues for people to be able to reach out to you if they wanted to reach you directly as well. Correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. We are at that time. Brian, you want to do your thing. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, Jessica. First of all, we're always blown away by how fast an hour goes by. Like we're already, oh my gosh, we're already at the end. Of, I feel like we've got so much more to talk about. Um, yeah. So that just shows it how really how amazing uh, this conversation was. Thank you so much for sharing your story mm. and your family with us and what you're doing on a going forward basis. And the fact that you're committed to the things that we often end our, our show with a conversation around uh, time, and especially now, almost more than any other time. Uh, people sharing empathy and love is um, is critical to to our future success 
um, yes. and you know, our future togetherness. And so thank you for being a part of the show. So grateful to you and Sean, I'm grateful uh, to you partner and Sean Hall for putting this together and all the folks who listen to us and tune in on a regular basis. Robert Moorhead, I think Susanna was on today. Um, I think my daughter Jordan was on today. So for everybody who, if I didn't mention you, it's not because I'm leaving you up because I can't see you all, but thank you all for being a part of what you're doing. And Sean, I'll, I'll let you sign us off here. Yes, I, I will I will do that. I do have one quick question for Jessica. If, if and, and it is one. Jessica, tell us if you can. We ask guests of this, of, of guests as we close up from time to time. Give us one example of a thought or belief, I should say, that you had and held dearly and believed with all that you might that you now feel differently about? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Wow, I have like 10 seconds to answer that. <laughs> that I feel differently. <laughs> um, Okay. Oh, gosh, that, you got me on the spot. Something That's okay. Like, well, I think before I had Ryan, the phrase that I don't like now that I used to think made sense, but before, but after Ryan, it didn't make sense is God gives you, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. handle. And people like to say that and they mean well, but after I had Ryan, after I lost my mom and my beloved mother-in-law, Yes, we are handed things that are more than we can handle, but we have to find a way to draw strength and peace and resilience and grit and grace <laughs> despite that. That is fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so very much. Yeah. Thank you again for being here. I'm, I'm thankful for what we do and that it allows people like you to cross, um, for us to cross paths with you and thank you. And what you do in the name of your organization is what we believe. We are brave together. Amazing. Um, doesn't mean doesn't mean that we're not afraid, because bravery bravery requires fear, <laughs> just as much as it does action. And so I mm -hmm. want to thank everyone that, that that's uh, been tuning in, everyone that tuned in here today, everyone that will that uh, follows us. Um, you can find us on We Are Just Two Dads at Instagram. Everyone that follows us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts as well and our listeners on WSDX in the US Virgin Islands. And I wanna thank my mom, Jan, for, for not for her, I would not be here quite literally. And were it not for my wife, Laura, I wouldn't be who I get to even try to make an attempt to be. So my oh. gratitude is immeasurable. And for everyone listening, just remember that there's somebody someplace that needs to know that you care. Somebody someplace needs to know that they matter. Somebody someplace needs to know that they are loved. And um, as we like to say, if you're listening to us, if you're watching us, we love you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.